The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. That's Nate Geary. And this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F words. That's right. Food and football. The third clearly being the Fantastic Four. Did I get do I get double credit for using two F's there? I feel and, like I and succeeding numbers. Yeah, I should really do that. I really should do that. I feel like it's clobbering time. Could be, you know what? Hold on, I got it. Ready? It's slobbering time. Huh? Huh? Because it's, it's turbo food? time. Man, I'm so I'm no, I'm yeah, so no. funny. Y'all, y'all should be so fortunate that you get to listen to this level of wit every Friday night uh, on by the, the Buffalo way, Rumblings Vidcast Network. So Pat Moran's here just for the food comparison talk. And lucky for Pat, we're gonna ha- basically turn the entire first half of the show into comparing food. Uh, but Bruce, I don't want to steal your spotlight because you came up with the term. So therefore, I'm going to let you preview the very first part of the podcast tonight, like you normally do. So I'm not really doing anything, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, as a reminder, hit all of the engagement buttons. Like, subscribe, rate, review, share it on social media. Do all the things you got to do to help Thanks. us out. Get it out here. We're going to have a good old time tonight. We always have a good old time. But tonight, we are debuting something. And the reason mm. we're debuting something is because this is the offseason. For As one thing ends, another thing, thing blossoms. Like out of out of the volcanic ash, uh, you know, it uh, something beautiful is blossoming. Just like when it's time for lunch to end, it's time for second lunch to begin. And just when it's time for breakfast to end, brunch begins. It's the same thing. In this case, we are debuting our reaction 
food focused off season segment. We will be calling it food simile. And what we're going to do is we're going to react to NFL and Buffalo Bills news like we would if it was a particular food related situation. Hence, food simile. Get it? Like facsimile, but also the word simile, which yeah. means to compare something using like or as. So tonight we're going to be talking about Brian Dable leaving for the New York Giants. Cameron in the comments says, this is the first sports-related media I have consumed outside of Twitter this week. Cameron, we will do you justice. We will do it. We will make it happen. We are going to have a good old time. We're going to make everything happen the way it should. And we're going to kick it off with right now. Nate, what is the biggest food disappointment you have had in recent memory? Biggest food disappointment I've had in recent memory. You know, I, I've I've been kind of, you know, juggling a few, but one of these was, and you know what? I'm going to do the respectful thing. I'm not going to say the establishment uh, that, that I had said experience at, but let's just say um, I was really looking forward to a wood-fired pizza. And, uh, you know, you, here's the best parts of why you're going to get a wood fired pizza. You get like the, 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 the fire charred crust, right? You get a couple of the bubbles. They're nice and Mm. charred over and black. And like, that is, you know, sort of the best part about it, but somehow, some way this wood fire pizza came back and it was like almost raw in the middle. Um, and, and clearly either the oven was too hot and it didn't have enough time to actually cook the center of it. Um, which first and foremost middle like a pizza that is undercooked in the middle there might not be any any worse sort of revelation when you're opening the box and you're looking at this pizza because they're deceiving it looks good it looks like a really good pizza you know and then you pull out the first slice and you get such a droop that most of you know because when when that when that dough is undercooked you get all the cheese that falls off because it doesn't it's not cooked and it's that slippery greasy nasty raw dough um so yeah, that that was one of the more disappointing in uh, you know food experiences in recent memory. Because here's the thing: when even when pizza gets screwed up, most of the time you're like, "Hey, it's pizza. You can't really. I'm gonna eat right. no matter what you put in front of me." But I didn't even really want more than one piece because it just it was such a disappointment because that the undercooked just ruins all of the other flavors you're trying to get. And especially when you're putting a lot of like vegetables or a lot of toppings that are wet and then already sort of seep into the dough as it is, it can just be a sloppy mess. That was one of a, one of my worst recent uh, experiences that again, I I'll, I'll, I'll spare the, the folks, the, the embarrassment of my, of my wrath, but. We got some people in the comment section. JR says avocado and toast. I'll level with you. I like avocado toast. I really do. As long as there's a lot of smoked paprika on it, I'm good. Oh, okay. You got to go really heavy on the paprika? Yeah. Brent says chocolate after COVID. Stale and disgusting. That's too bad. Thanks, COVID. You know what? COVID stealing chocolate from you is just criminal. It's just awful. I am not going to spare the location name the way that Nate did because everyone knows I'm, you know, fire and brimstone that's the way it is i had in and out burger for the first time a couple years back 
And after hearing people on the West Coast talk about how great In-N-Out Burger was, I had it and could not have possibly been more disappointed. It was bland. The fries were bad. I absolutely despised it. And then I realized there's this entire subculture of In-N-Out people who go, no, 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 you're just not ordering it right. I'm like, listen, man, if I need to learn a second language to order, order a darn burger, okay, we're doing it wrong. I was incredibly disappointed. There are so many other burger shacks I would rather have instead of In-N-Out. And in fact, I was so curious, so morbidly curious that I went back. I actually circled back as I said, nope, surely it must be me, right? I was willing to extend the amount of sample size to make sure that I wasn't being led astray by a bad apple, metaphorically speaking, because they don't sell apples there. But I had it again, and I hated it again. Now, hate is a strong word, so I probably shouldn't have gone that far. Really, what it is is I've never felt any desire to ever have it ever again. Even when I'm out in Vegas, I still go, yeah, no, no, I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need to have it. So for me, I mean, Five Guys is better. Shake Shack is better. All of these regional food chains. I like Whataburger better. All of these regional food chains, I like better than In-N-Out. So for me, absolutely 100% out on In-N-Out. And I specifically said it that way. Now, important, Nate, you are not working. Your microphone is not working. So right now, Nate is saying things into the ether. You know, this must be what it's really like as a Charlie Brown, like a Peanuts character. Because he's going, he's talking, his mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. It's a little bit like when you're, uh, you know, you're talking to the teacher and Charlie Brown, you're going, yes, teacher. Well, yes, teacher. So that must be what it's like. So Nate's in and out take, whatever it was, was so bad that the universe actually shut off his microphone. So there's that too. Pierre in the comments says In-N-Out is super overrated, but Whataburger sucks too. Pierre, you know, I can block people, right? I can block people right up in here. I'm not going to, but I could. JR says cookout is disappointing too. If you have one near you, I don't have one um, near me. I don't think unless I haven't seen it recently. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't have a cookout. I used to, I, I had a cookout, I think in Tulsa, Oklahoma, maybe at one point, the name sounds vaguely familiar. Maybe I had a cookout. I don't remember. But it certainly didn't make it a significant enough impression on me to a positive way where I was like, yeah, I, I need to get I need to get in on that. Absolutely. So that wasn't part. Comment section is lighting up. Mark says no in and out burgers in New York, but we got bar burgers. I don't know bar burgers. Can someone help me with bar burgers? I don't know what bar burgers are. Paul Smith says avocado and toast. Actually, I love it if it includes bacon. I mean. Everything that includes bacon is good. I had bacon literally for dinner tonight. My wife and I had waffles and bacon, and it's amazing. And I'm a, a huge, massive fan. Wow, can you hear me now? Yes, Nate Wait. is back. Anthony in the in the comment section says Culver's is S tier. I'm a big Culver's guy as well. Get some butter burgers up in here. Get some cheese curds. I'm a Culver's guy. Now, Nate, you were going to say something about my In and Out being disappointing. I'm sure is yes. where you're going to go. So here's the thing about In-N-Out that I've always really enjoyed is the giant, like they give you the proper amount of onion that I want on a burger. Um, like and I am almost tasting the onion at, like that's the predominant thing I'm tasting, which I love the the Spanish onion, you know, big cut. And it's almost like they give you the the thin middle cut of an onion. Like it's, it's a lot of onion, which I'm into. Um, 
I love in and out but I've never well I've, I've never been to Shake Shack oh well I will I will hook you up sometime at some point I will there's just know, it's we'll, not in Buffalo we'll go on a road trip we'll go yeah, on a road trip that. to the closest to Shake Shack and we will make it happen it's 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 solid they use potato buns which oh, I really appreciate as opposed I'm, I'm to five guys, which is like a sesame seed, which is why Popeye's gets a lot of cred for their chicken sandwich. Cause they go the potato bun route. Derek right on it in the comment section. Popeye's is legit hat Creek, Austin, Texas. So Pierre says, if you're ordering a burger for the onion, you're doing it wrong. Pierre, I don't disagree. I was shocked to hear right. Nate say that having an onion be the predominant flavor was something he viewed as being a I'm positive. It. Yeah. That's so listen, I love onion. I love onion rings. That's, you know, we are going to get to this. B must in the comment section says the post stable depression is the perfect cap on a terrible week. We're going to get to it. But first, we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to compare Bills Kansas City it. to so. a food. And Nate says he's got it. So Nate, the floor is yours. All right, this one's for Pat Moran. So, uh if Bills Chiefs were a food, it would it would be a lot like going out to a fine dining restaurant and with the idea on special, you call ahead and you say, all right, uh, what's on the menu tonight? What's on the specials? I'm, I'm kind of going through. I want to go to a place. I want a fine dining experience. I want something delicious for dinner. I want something seafood. What's your special? And, you know, the, the server in there says, we've got scallops tonight, uh, you know, sea diver scallops, and they're seared with uh, a risotto and uh, bon appetit. I mean, it's, it is a fantastic. So, you're excited. You're thinking like, oh man, tonight I'm getting scallop risotto. This is going to be, this is going to be a bomb night. So you get there, right? You get to the restaurant and you sit down and you order that scallop risotto. And next to you, your friend orders the filet mignon and he gets it medium rare and it's, and it's prosciutto wrapped, right? And it's, and it's the bomb dish. And if you weren't, if you weren't there for the scallops, you were getting the filet that was wrapped in prosciutto because like that's, that's what you do when there's a filet wrapped in more beef. Like, come on. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you do. Right. So you sit down, uh, you get up and you do the thing where you go to the bathroom. Cause for whatever reason, anytime you're dining and you're waiting for your food, you get up and go to the bathroom. When you come back, it is at your table, right? Like that's just, that's the beauty of, for whatever reason, the magic of getting up and go to the bathroom. So you, you get back and your friend is waiting for you to cut into his perfectly cooked. And he, he just, he opens it up for you and it is perfectly cooked. It's one of the best steaks you've ever seen. You're like, damn, that looks good. Can't wait to try my dish. And you cut into the scallop and you realize that the scallop was overcooked and you have this great thing, but if you give it too much time that it can become really an inedible dish. Um, so for me, it goes from being high class. One of the best, finest seafood dishes you're going to go and get at any restaurant is a perfectly like a nice crispy outside left at a high temperature on a, on a cast iron or something where you can really get that flash point up and you could really get a nice char on the outside, but a perfectly cooked inside, not overcooked or as, um, as, as a chef, uh, well, who, who's the crazy one again, that's on food network. He goes nuts. Uh, you know, he screams Gordon and swears a lot. Gordon Ramsay. It's like, you donkey. So, uh, uh, it's, it's sort of like overdoing scallops because it goes from being something so great right until you cut into it and realize that you left it too much time. That is an extremely complex metaphor, <laughs> and I got to be honest, I'm digging it. So I didn't go quite that place. much, but here's what I did go. The Bills-Chiefs game 
in the divisional round of the 2021 slash 2022 NFL AFC uh, AFC playoffs is hard liquor. Hmm. Here's why it's hard liquor. Usually for most people, hard liquor is an event. You decide to choose. You're like, you know what? I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to have an old fashioned. You say I'm going to have an old fashioned and it's going to be fun. You think, you know what? I had a hard week. I'm going to look forward to sitting at home, putting on some slippers and having a glass of whiskey. That's what I'm going to do. And so you pour your hard liquor. And the second you start, you're like, man, I'm, I'm just really happy to be here. I am really happy that the week is over and this is the event that I'm having happen to me right now. And the more you drink it, the better you feel until you don't anymore. <laughs> You feel really, 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 really good all the way up until the moment when you don't. When you realize that you had a tough week and maybe you went a little bit too far and you had a drink and then you had a second and then you had a third and for everybody has a different line. For some people, it's the fifth. For some people, it's the seventh. And they think to themselves, I think mistakes were made. I was feeling really good and all of a sudden it sneaks up on you. Because you were feeling really good. You were feeling kind of warm and you were feeling, and then all of a sudden you blink and you're, what happened? I was feeling so good. And now I'm hurling in the toilet. (laughs) What happened to this? And then when it's over, you think I never want to feel that way ever again. But you know what? The next weekend's going to come and you're going to think to yourself, you know what? I think I want some hard liquor. So that my friends is Bill's chiefs. We went other routes. Yes, we went other routes, but you know what? I think they both work. I think they both work. Brent says, Bill's Chiefs, perfect filet mignon, where the plate was taken away from you after only one bite. Amazing Mm. potential, but left empty. Oh, man, that's good, Brent. I really like that one. Yep. Big fan. Big fan. So that's Bill's Chiefs. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the debut, the debut of Food Simile. This is going to be a running topic for food for thought this offseason. So Brian Dable leaves for the New York Giants. Dorsey could potentially be next. You never know. There's rumors swirling on the interwebs right now. I literally have Twitter pulled up on a different screen. On a renewal basis. Right now, just so that if it breaks during the specific, you know, during the specific show, we, we can do it. And we're going to say food simile. So Brian Dable leaving for New York Giants is like what? And I'm going to go first. Brian Dable leaving for the New York Giants is like driving past your favorite pizza place to try a new one. Yeah, I really like that one. I know it's really good. I know it's a strong contender. I very rarely have a bad meal from this place. But you know what? I feel like something different. I feel a little risky. I feel a little, I don't know, on edge a little bit because you never know. The next place could be great. It could be just as good. It could be even better. You never know. But the probability seems low. And so there's adventure there, but there's also kind of risk. And it feels awkward because you're like, well, I mean, what if I have it? I don't like it. And then I'm wishing I would have stopped back at my favorite pizza place. My wife is a creature of habit when it comes to food. She gets the same darn thing every single time. Hell yeah, lady. Same. Me and Miss Nolan are the same. We are the same. Every single time. And she says, you know what? Creatures of habit. Bruce, 
You have enough adventure for the both of us, she says. You have enough adventure for the both of us. So usually she'll make me order something different, and then she'll have a bite of mine. Mm. Because she's not willing to commit. We have opposite roles, my friend. We we have opposite roles. Uh, I we mean, do. I am. Yeah, me and Miss Nolan are vibing. You and and my gal. I mean, we, we th- this would be a good dinner party. Absolutely, like a we should have like a clue dinner, like a clue dinner. Let party. me guess. Let me let me guess, uh, Bruce. Are you are you a flats guy, wings wise? I'm absolutely a flats guy. And is Miss Nolan a drums lady? You know, Miss Nolan is not a huge she... wings person in general, okay. but okay. she prefers drums to flats. So same. Mm-hmm. I I am mm-hmm. I am drum girlfriend is flat. You are I am flat. There, there's really a lot. Of, there's there's a lot of things happening. So that's my food simile for today. Food simile is like that. Anthony Cole with the super chat, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Anthony. First, look forward to this every week. Normally, listen on Apple as I have a two year old and I'm in bed by nine p.m. on a Friday. I add you guys a fair amount on Twitter. Always appreciate the responses, guy. Go, Thanks, go. Anthony. Anthony. Thank you so much for the donation. Appreciate we you, really boss. appreciate this. It means a lot to us. We have we have such a cool little fan base here. I get yes. I get tweets about glasses of water like on a frequent regular basis now. Yes. And I As just gotta laugh because you gotta you gotta gotta you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta it's like one of those things group. like you gotta be here. You gotta, you gotta be you gotta here. Gotta you know, you here. gotta be here at nine o'clock on Friday or you're kind of missing out on the jokes. And so, the obscurity of the show itself is sort of like the obscurity of the time, nine o'clock on a Friday. I mean, most right. people are either, you know, getting ready to go out or they're they're doing what Anthony's doing, which is putting the kid down, kicking your feet up, maybe making yourself an old fashioned. Yeah, absolutely. Hanging out with Nate and Bruce, you know, come on. That's what we do on a Friday night. It's weird. It's a weird, and it's a, it's a weird show. It's kind of a niche show and we kind of love it. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm a big yeah. fan. So Nate, I hope I've stalled long enough. What is your food simile for Brian Dable leaving for the giants? Brian Dable leaving for the giants is like what? Yeah. So I wanted to make a similar type of analogy that you did, right? Which is that, except maybe not using pizza, but using like a fast food analogy, like everybody has their fast food, but it's the same as Miss Nolan and myself, right? Like I sort of have my go-tos. If I go to McDonald's, I get one thing. If I go to Burger King, I get another thing. And I think in the NFL, it's sort of like that, Bruce, where you, you know what you know and what you know that you had in Brian Dable is sort of the safe you know what you're going to get if he comes back this year. You likely know what you're going to get if, if Ken Gorsey is here next year. He's probably running a lot of the same concepts, a lot of the same schemes as Brian Dable. And, uh, yeah, I, listen, I, I, I we'll get into that more on the other side because we have our guest uh, locked in and ready to go. And uh, I want to make sure I get all 20 of these minutes in because sales expensive. So I, I, I want to make sure we, we get these 20 minutes worth. Well, it's a good thing we got a super chat then we can afford to pay out. We just got to tip out is what it is. We got to tip it's out true. to sell. Ladies and gentlemen, here with us live on Food for Thought is Bill's Beaten Sideline Reporter, host of the Extra Point Show on WGR 550. Ladies and gentlemen, Sal Capaccio. Sal, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Can you guys hear me okay? Everything good? We yeah, got you. Everything's fantastic. Yeah, sounds great. Bruce, your face looks awesome tonight. Just want to thank you so much. I worked really hard on it. I put yeah, my I hair tell. and everything. I can tell. Very, very, very rounded. Very rounded. I try to do that with my head the way it is, just so you know. I have a very uh, round face. The tenor of the show has changed. Like Nate gets in touch with me the other day. He's like, hey, let's put a bow on the season. I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, bam, Brian Dable. Bam, Brian <laughs> yeah, Dorsey, right? I mean, oh my God. That's the way so, it goes, man. Do you want in on this, Sal? Do you want in on the food simile? So when you heard sure. the news that Brian Dable decided that he was going to go with Joe Shane and was going to become the head coach of the New York Giants, we've been 
kind of debuting this idea of food similes and the concept that this makes you feel a certain way in the same way that some sort of food experience makes you feel. So when you first heard that Brian Dable is going to become the head coach of the New York Giants, which to be fair, we all kind of thought that this was a strong possibility. No one was uh-huh. shocked sure. by this. What did it make you feel like? It was like what to you? Um, Saddened. I, you know, as a media member who covers the team on a daily basis, I, you know, let me, let me rephrase that. I mean, it's mixed emotions. I'm saddened for the fact that this kind of like this whole group that's been together for a couple of years for Bills fans is gone. I mean, let's remember the Bills retained every single coach from last year's staff to this year, except two assistant to the position coaches like Dwight Schrute, basically, but who went on to college, but like every position coach, every coordinator, head coach, whatever was retained. Brian Dable has been here four years. He's developed this relationship with Josh Allen, but at the same time, guys, I got to be honest. Super happy for Brian Dable. I've gotten to know him really well in his four years in Buffalo. And when you know that people have certain goals in their lives and you see them attain those goals, how can you not be happy for those people? So I think I'm really sad that, you know, it's kind of an end of an era, if you will, because I think there's going to be more changes. I bet you that there will be people who join him in Jersey, whether that's Ken Dorsey or others from his staff. And there's going to be changes now. And this was kind of cool to have the same group together, to get to know them and to go through this for the last few years versus Hey man, Brian Dable's getting a shot. Buffalo guy. He was really good to us. Good guy to get to know. So I'm happy for him. You know, Sal, they, they kind of, at least Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, they both fought hard for the league to be more, I guess, be more inviting to coaches that are currently coaching and coach late into the season and have opportunities like your Dable last year in 2020, where he didn't maybe get the opportunity in, you know, in Los Angeles because he was still coaching at the time. At this point in the offseason last year, I believe that the last coaching vacancy was filled today, this time last year. Now, I know we have the extended week of the season, so that extra week matters. But I think what a lot of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean pushed for is working because there's still seven openings and we're headed into the, you know, championship weekend. Yeah. So it's weird though, because it's also because Nate, there were nine openings this year. Yeah, this I mean, is they, amazing. They, I, I can never weird. remember this many. I mean, you, I know I went to Syracuse, but I, I could do my math on this, you know, 28% of the league, you know, had head coach openings. And I mean, that's crazy. Uh, you, you never have seen something like this. And that includes a couple of interims, of course, what happened in Las Vegas, what happened in Jacksonville. So, I mean, that's a byproduct of this, that there still are some, but you're right. I mean, last year, everybody seemed to move. There weren't as many last year, four or five, maybe. I still believe last year that Brian Dable would have been named the head coach of the Los Angeles chargers. Had the bills lost to the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round, the chargers did not want to wait. The, people always say like, well, they should make this rule. Like the bills propose, they should make all these teams wait. But look, if you're an owner of a team, if you're the GM of a team, you want to get your program in place. There's a lot to get caught up on. You got to get caught up on the draft. You got to get a staff in place. Like I don't blame teams or the league for saying, no, we can't really do that. Like just because you're in the playoffs, that shouldn't preclude another team from doing what they need to do to run their program and get people in place. So I get it from that standpoint. I also wondered, I've always wondered this. I wonder if the Bills proposed that rule because they wanted Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier to be able to have that opportunity along with other people who, you know, you wait on it. Or if in some way they felt it was a distraction for their team. And that's why they, that's why they proposed the rule last year. I'm not sure. Um, I would l- hope to think it's the first, maybe not the latter, but you never know. Maybe they felt last year it was a distraction to their team. They went through this and said, hey, let's avoid the distractions and let's keep it till after the season. But 
it's a tough spot. There's no right answer there. I, I don't blame the league for saying, no, teams have a right to start hiring people. They need to do what they need to do to get their offseason going. So the next logical question that are, comes out of, okay, we know for a fact Brian Dable's gone now. The yep. next obvious question is what happens to Ken Dorsey, right? Uh, it's been well-established that Josh Allen has an affinity for Ken Dorsey, but that as Brandon Bean said in his press conference, we're still going to do our due diligence. We're still going to look now knowing that it could potentially happen a little faster for Ken Dorsey with the giants. You might not have the opportunity to do the amount of due diligence that you want. If you're Brandon Bean and you think, well, hold on now. I don't want to get a gun held to my head here. I don't want to get into a bidding ward for, you know, Ken Dorsey, when I haven't even interviewed any offensive coordinators out there, when you're put in this weird spot, knowing what you know about the organization and knowing how you, what you know about the way that they operate, is it a scenario where they're willing to say, you know what, listen, we have to interview coaches who fit the Rooney rule. Like we have to do that. Like you can't just say, oh yeah, he's our guy. Cause they didn't tab him as the offensive coordinator in waiting. That was not a thing that happened. You got even if they did, they would out. still have to interview a minority candidate. It wouldn't. You got to go out and you got to do those things. So yeah, yeah. knowing that the Giants can't do it either. So what? What? what Here's where the difference though, from Bruce. here. Here's the difference though, Bruce. The Giants may have already interviewed people. We don't know that they could interview mm -hmm. people for their open offensive coordinator position as soon as it became mm -hmm. open. They don't have to wait for mm -hmm. a head coach. The Giants could turn around today and hire Ken Dorsey and say, "Yeah, before, we are before Brian Dable's mm -hmm. even actually signed." Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. They don't have to. They they can just interview those people getting ready. So they're they've already and and look at knowing Joe Shane the way I know him, mm -hmm. I wouldn't doubt if they've already done that. Yeah. And that they've already gotten a jump to make sure, hey, we got all of our ducks in a row. As soon as we're ready, we can hire Ken Dorsey. Um, look, I know Nate has said this. I have tweeted this, and I'll just reiterate for everybody. Of course, none of us sitting here would ever think that a guy like Ken Dorsey or anybody would choose to go work with Daniel Jones over Josh Allen for professional reasons, right? Why would you do that? Of course, you'd rather choose to work with Josh Allen. He's this unbelievably elite quarterback. You have certainty there. He's locked up. Uh, he's going to be going and contending probably for AFC championships for quite a long time. You have a great relationship with him. There's no doubt. However, I, nor you or Nate or anybody should ever sit here and pretend what any man's decision-making is for his own job and his own life. We do not know what's important to Ken Dorsey in his life. Maybe the money is the most important. Maybe the right. lifestyle is the most important. How do we know he doesn't get along with Sean McDermott all that well? How do we know he doesn't get along with Brian Dable all that well? I have no idea what Ken Dorsey's thinking, and I'm not going to try to pretend so we can all we can all sit here and say, and I, fans do it all the time. Why would you go to the Giants? Why would you go to the Giants? Well, maybe he, there's a lot of reasons why he might go to the Giants. It might not have anything to do with Josh Allen. Might not have anything to do. Maybe his wife says, I don't like Buffalo. I don't know. You know, it's, I'm just telling you. But yes, on the surface, you would think that it would be easy to say, let's go stay in Buffalo. And I would say also money talks. Now to your point about ponying up and paying, I do wonder here if they do get in a bidding war, at some point, wouldn't the Bills say, look, we really like him, but we have Josh Allen. We don't right. have to, we don't have to pay top dollar when we also have a quarterback here who's going to make a lot of offensive coordinators look good, despite what we pay him. Not that we're going to be cheap, but we're certainly not going to go to that stratosphere that maybe you think you need him as much as we do. Sal, we're super early in this process, so I'm not going to have you prognosticate, you know, well, who's the outside guy and who's this? I do think, though, that there, Chad Hall is another name in this that I think would likely have gotten an interview if he hasn't already um, with Dorsey, even if Dorsey hadn't, if the news hadn't already been that he's likely going to follow Brian Dable to New York. 
outside of Chad Hall internally, what is next here? Like, what does this process look like? And if you're the Bills, you have to probably feel like you're a little late to the party. Um, you know, most of the top coordinators, I know Pep Hamilton's out there. He's being um, looked at, I know, in Chicago. So is Jim Caldwell's potential um, for the offensive coordinator there. Like, where do you think this team goes? And what do you think they might value in their next offensive coordinator, knowing what you just said? They have Josh Allen, but you want to pair him with somebody that you believe is going to make him the most successful. Well, I think I was most encouraged by what both Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean said about this process, which is they're going to value Josh Allen's input. You know, I mean, he's not going to make the hire, but they're going to value his input. They already value his input when it comes to Ken Dorsey and his relationship there, but they've already talked with him. So I I think that's number one. I, I think the biggest thing that they need to look for is a guy that, when they look at the whole situation and they know Josh's personality and they know what his traits are, they're going to say, is this guy going to mesh with our quarter of a billion dollar quarterback over the next six years? Right. I mean, that's what they paid him. And I think that's number one. Um, it's funny. I, I've heard Chad Hall's name. And I think people, people see Chad Hall. He's so energetic on the sidelines and you know, he's, he's got a great relationship with his players. He's a young coach. I don't know if he's quite ready for that. Maybe he is. Maybe the bills feel he is. He's only been a wide receivers coach for three years, maybe four, but three, Three years, I think. Um, so I'm not really sure if he'd be ready for that. Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, you know, he's he's been around the league a little bit as well. Tight, you know, I, I would think the guy who'd be under the radar is tight ends coach Rob Boris. Rob Boris was an offensive coordinator in St. Louis. He has that experience uh, with the Rams before they moved to L.A. Um, he is a Sean McDermott guy. He didn't come here because of Brian Dable. He came here with Sean McDermott. So I think Bri- I think t- uh, uh, Rob Boris would be interesting under the radar candidate for that particular job. Um, I want to see who goes with Brian Dable. You never know. I mean, it, the bills can block people other than, other than the coordinator position, the way it works. Now you can't, you have to request permission, but it's more of a formality. It's a courtesy for Ken Dorsey or anybody else to be the offensive coordinator in New York. He, they could do that, but to be a position coach, the, the bills can block that. So they can kind of make sure they keep guys in staff. So I think Rob Boris would be the number one likely in-house candidate only because of his experience that he does have it. But I don't know. Outside, I think the most important thing to me would be make sure that you think he can gel with Josh Allen and we're not having some sort of internal strife, you know, going over over the next year or so. One of the things that popped up a lot with Sean McDermott this year was the desire to be a team and an offense that has the threat of being two-dimensional. Two-dimensional was an incredibly common buzzword for Sean McDermott this year. Do you think that that carries over to such a point that that starts to affect the offensive coordinator hire? Do you think there's a specific type or style or chassis of offensive coordinator that would immediately start to get maybe a little bit more attractive to Sean McDermott based on the fact that he really kind of wishes the run game would have come around a little bit more? You know, obviously, you know, Mike McDaniels is a really hot head coaching candidate right now, but I'm thinking about people like people like Thomas Brown from the Rams and these running back coaches. And do you think that maybe they go a little bit in a different direction? Maybe somebody think, you know what, Josh Allen passing game concepts. We got that locked up. We got Stefan Diggs. We have players we like, maybe we need to try something a little bit more run focused. Do you think that that's something they go with? Or is this really a, we want more of the same style from a stylistic standpoint. Do you get a hint based on what you know about Sean McDermott, based on what you know about Brandon Bean, based on what they said of the style of offensive coordinator they'd be looking for. I think we got a couple of clues here to the answer, which is they gave Ken Dorsey very quietly the passing game coordinator title last year Mm. during the off season. 
And that was right on the heels of Ken Dorsey getting feelers, especially from the Detroit Lions, to be their offensive coordinator. So to me, it was like, hey, we got a guy in-house here who we really like, and we're going to give him this title because we want to make sure we take care of him to try and keep him happy to become the offensive coordinator if Brian does leave next year. And to me, you don't do that if you don't feel like he's going to probably do what Brian Dable's been doing. I don't think you do that thinking he's going to have some sort of different direction. And again, we already heard from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean saying it's got to be someone who, you know, we're going to value Josh's input. Um, so I wouldn't be scared of, Hey, they want a certain type. He's going to run more, especially when people think this, a guy was going to run the ball, pound the rock, whatever you want to call it. Things like that. The other clue is this guys look, I mean, the bills with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean together drafted Josh Allen, the bills with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean together gave the kid 240 something million dollars, $256 million, 58, whatever. I don't think Sean McDermott would be willing to do that and then have that sitting there and saying, oh, I need a, I need an offensive coordinator who's going to come here and dial this kid back. Like, I, I just oh. don't see it. Like, he's part of the process of making this happen. I, do I think Sean McDermott wants to run the ball more efficiently from game one through 17? Absolutely. I don't think that he's going to be looking for an offensive coordinator who's – I don't think he wants Rick Dennison again. You know what I mean? Oh. I, I, I don't think that's what he's looking for. I think he understands the value of Josh Allen. I would certainly hope so since he was in on the process of both drafting him and I'm, I'm sure like in on discussions, he didn't necessarily pay him himself, but you got to have those discussions with the head coach about if you're willing to have this guy for the next seven years. So, uh, Bruce, did you have something? Yeah, I have a follow-up specifically about Josh Allen's input. And it seems so elementary to us. We were all so excited when they said, yes, we're going to value Josh Allen's input. And the reason we're so excited about that is because we've seen NFL franchises across the league where that's not the case. And it ends up driving a wedge between the star quarterback and the organization. You've seen it in Green Bay. You've gotten whispers of that in Seattle. I just got to know, as someone who is on the beat, who follows the team, why is it so uncommon for a team to sign a quarterback to a quarter of a billion dollar contract and then say, you know what? Now we don't really care about your input on these things. I mean, is Josh Allen not as considered to be as big of a part of this franchise as Sean McDermott and Brandon B now is because it feels to me like it should be so common, but yet the reason we're excited when it happens is because it's not common. What is it about NFL teams that has this, is it just intrinsic arrogance? Like what is it about NFL teams that just makes them give a quarterback hundreds of millions of dollars and then completely not care about their opinion and risk alienating them? Obviously we don't have to worry about it happening here, but why, why is that? It's Hugh. It's um, ego and hubris. It's we're the owners and the employers and you're the employee. Mm -hmm. And this is how we operate in this business. It's, you don't know personnel. You don't, yeah, you might have a friendship. You might be able to throw the go route to the guy, but you, we do the work on what he's like off the field. We do the work on, you know, all the little things that he does, all the details, his health status, all those kinds. You don't do that. Yeah. You may come to us and want us. Look, I don't think Josh Allen. Now he doesn't have free reign. Obviously I guarantee you he liked John Brown. They still got rid of John Brown because they have to do what's best for the organization. They're not going to give Josh Allen. He's not the GM suddenly, not that you're suggesting that Bruce, of course he he's not the GM suddenly, but it's not about Josh Allen. It's about Brandon Bean. You have the right people in Sean. You have the right people in this organization. And by the way, the Pagoulas and everybody who's involved here who understand that value and say, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to make a commitment to him. This has got to be a partnership and a relationship where we can all grow together and move forward. You look what happened in Green Bay. Why, for, for all, whatever people think about Aaron Rodgers, why did he want out? Or why does he seemingly want out? 
because apparently Brian Gutekrins does not give him that particular, you know, voice to say, this is what I want. Look what happened with Deshaun Watson. They gave him all the money. They bring him into a meeting and the owner says, I'm going to value your input. You can tell me what you think. Sean Deshaun's like, okay, okay. And then when it came time, they didn't do that. They alienated him because he's an owner who says, what does this kid know about personnel? He doesn't know anything about personnel. We know I'm going to trust it to the guys I know about personnel. So I think Bruce, the answer to your question is it's rare because it's just not how most teams operate. And to me, it is good to have a team like that. Now, if you do do it the wrong way and you allow your quarterback or whoever to start having more of a voice, you could get tripped up. It doesn't mean again, that these quarterbacks know exactly what they're getting when they actually want a guy. They might just like the fact that he runs good routes and catches the ball, but there's so much more that goes into these people. Sale. Uh, last thing I want to kind of send you off on here is I, I, I do want to put a bow up, like at least to try to put a bow on like this week has been crappy for a lot of reasons. I, I think a lot of which is, I mean, you just, I, Tuesday night, right? I have my indoor golf league and, you know, it's a bunch of buddies and guys that I know that I'll golf with here and there. And Tuesday night I walk in sale. And the first thing is everyone looks at me and says, we're, no one's talking about that. We're not talking about the game tonight. We're not talking about it. And they're like, Mike, look at me. I don't, I don't want to talk about it either. Like no one. So we kind of sat in silence for a while and then somebody brought it up and then we ended up talking about it. That's just the way that it goes. But I know that you've sort of had a chance to decompress and talk about it and here and there and on the station and on other stations, but I, I kind of keep going back to this point of not thinking about, you know, kickoffs and scheme or communication or execution or particular moments of that football game. I keep going towards the future. And, and, and I know that a lot of us have this, 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 this great comfort in knowing the quarterback is as good as he is, which is certainly um, a luxury you know, 30, 28 teams don't have. Um, but even with this news of of Nate Hackett going to Denver and maybe Aaron Rodgers is now another AFC elite, right? How, how do you balance as a fan in these coming months and frankly coming years, knowing how good the quarterback is with understanding the uniqueness of the elite level quarterbacks that exist in this conference that the Bills are good, that are all sort of the same age, Sal. Burrow's 25, Mahomes 26, Allen's 25, Lamar Jackson's 25. Like these guys, Herbert's 24. These guys are all around the same graduating class, essentially. And I, I just, I, I'm, I'm wondering what you believe the true feel should be moving into the future with that context considered. You guys know who the oldest regular starting quarterback is in the AFC? Derek Carr? Nope. Derek Carr is only 30. It was Roethlisberger until a few minutes ago. (laughs) Correct. But that's a good guess, Nate, because he's the second oldest, only at the age of 30. The oldest is Ryan Tannehill at 33. Tannehill. Oh, my God. He's the oldest? Tannehill's 33? I'm old. I am so old. (laughs) Tannehill's 33? Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is the oldest regular starting quarterback in the AFC, which is amazing, isn't it, to think about how – young this quarterback class or group is and in the nfc it's the total opposite total opposite i mean you only have kyler and dak really as the young guys jalen hurts i guess you know there's a few guys you could pick out you know whatever but it's amazing i mean it's hard it's it's still hard for me to process and think about and get over it and 
any of us who has kids that are really into the bills, it was tough. I talked a lot about Max, you know, what it was like for him on Monday and going to school. He was a wreck and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And we, we've, we've been kind of processing it and talking about it together and getting over it. Um, you know, I'm trying myself on our shows and things like that to kind of turn the page because it's my job professionally. Mm -hmm. It's helping me do that. Like I, I'm turning the page, looking at free agency, looking at what's ahead. I have to do that for my job and it's helping me kind of get past, but Sunday's going to be tough this week because yes, that game should be, we're, we should be playing here at three o'clock on Sunday. We should be less than 48 hours away for an AFC championship game at home in Buffalo, right? It, th that's going to be tough. Um, I just a little while ago, actually, before I came on with you guys, I tweeted my chart my contract chart and i have the the bills roster i broke it down it's color coded by ufa rfa and uh exclusive rights free agent and there's been a couple people already who said boy they really don't have a lot of big name free agents there's a couple mm -hmm. harrison phillips levi wallace saran neal whatever and my response is that's right it's not just about josh allen of course he's the kingpin he's the guy you think about and go they're gonna be set for a long time look at this this team's set up for the next few years financially their roster, their age, they're all just getting into their prime now. Most of the core players are there. So I think, yes, of course, like we think back to Brady. How many times have we all heard Allen and Mahomes is the new Brady Manning? We heard that, right? A lot. Yeah. Well, guess what? While Brady and Manning were going at it, you still had Roethlisberger. You still had Rivers. I mean, those guys were knocking on the door. So however this shakes out, you're going to have a couple quarterbacks who aren't even like the two major. Maybe it's maybe Allen Mahomes. That's fine. You're still going to get Burrow. You're still going to get Herbert. And maybe you're still going to get uh, maybe Deshaun Watson if he plays still. Who knows? But yeah. you're still going to get that. You hope the Bills and Josh Allen aren't the, the other guy that's just knocking on the door. But this is going to be wild. It's going to be really interesting. They're all going to be in the mix in some way. They're all going to have a couple down years with their teams. But most of them, and I think especially the Bills with Josh Allen and the way I think the roster is set up, they should be contending for a while. And that's what gets you through. That's what gets you through to, okay, what do they need to do? What's the evolution here to get to the next step? Well, my friend, we um, we appreciate you coming on with us tonight and hanging out. Uh, I know it's been a long week for you. Great job this year, as always. And uh, you you and the fam deserve a nice uh, a nice trip to Florida. Yeah, I I think you'll probably have one of those in for you soon. Love that. I think so. I love my bobblehead Sal. You like that? It's bobblehead Sal. I've been showing them off. I've had this for so a few awesome. years. The guy made it. One of my one of the fan one of my fans, I guess, made it for me a while ago. He actually, if I do this, he actually kind of looks. Like oh, oh, Sal! How oh, the hell yeah, did we go better. this entire podcast? Ooh. And no, yeah. first of all. We haven't even brought up the Brady news. What's the Brady news? Did he retire in the last 10 minutes? Jace, Jason Locke on Fora, say a take for that, which you will, says that's the reason that, we didn't bring it up. That yeah, that's maybe the reason we Well, he it, says but. he he I know I saw the report that he he's very he he's tends to. Yeah, I know. We'll see. And and that's not against Jason. I don't know. I've actually I, I say the same thing about Jason sometimes. It kind of, yeah, he throws a lot of stuff out there, mm -hmm. but I've met Jason a couple of times. I think uh you know I've kind of softened a little bit on him. But um who knows? I I I don't know until I believe it. I will say this though: this is the first time I've ever even heard Brady kind of waver, right? Like it's always been mm. he's been I'm coming back, I'm coming mm. at, back, and now it's, eh, and I think for that reason, this may be it. I think you know, you got remember uh, remember Forrest Gump, right? Yeah, Forrest Gump is mm. running. He's just running. He's running. He's All of a sudden, running. he just stops and he's like, "Stop! Why are you stopping?" He goes, "I'm tired." Yeah, I just don't feel like. And it sometimes I think about that with Brady, like he's just going and going. He's never going to stop. And then one day he just goes. I'm actually I'm just tired now. Yeah. I'm just done. Yeah. I'm stop. Like she's gonna go home. Thing, you know. <laughs> she's gonna Crazy. go home to my supermodel wife, my millions yeah, of man. dollars. That's <laughs> you like, you hear my you hear my diehard analogy today on the show? No. I got a couple movie analogies. You guys are movie guys, you too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, you're you're experts in food, you're experts in movie, you're expert. What are you not experts in, you guys? I don't know. It's a great but question. Let's, um <laughs> math. Oh so, <laughs> my god. 
every time they turn around and everybody's an expert in everything. So listen, yeah. so um, today was, we were talking on the show about, sorry to keep you. I know I'm going past my time here. Um, You're I'm fine, like, dude. I'm like Howard Simon. But anyway, so <laughs> I, I, today, the I, I had two, two movie analogies lately. Today was Die Hard. When we were talking about Nathaniel Hackett getting the Denver Broncos job, I said, mm -hmm. he's like Ellis who walks into Hans Gruber, who says about Aaron Rodgers, Hans. Bubba, I can get him, baby. <laughs> right? That's what he's gonna do. That's that's why that's why they hire him, right? Now we all know what happened that's good. to Ellis, and I'm sorry, yes, sorry of course, sorry Nate Hackett, because yeah, he right. didn't deliver him. So we'll see if that happens. And the other one was when um, Brooks from Shawshank Redemption sure. got released mm -hmm. from oh, prison. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. I said that's Bill Belichick without Brady. He gets. He's like the world got up in a big damn hurry. Where yeah, was just, I? Right. I mean, everyone. Everyone got. Yeah. I once saw a car when I was a kid. He's like, I once saw a dual threat quarterback when I was a kid. Now they're <laughs> everywhere. Now they're <laughs> everywhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's good, Sal. Anyway, you should you should start you should start a a football and movie themed podcast. Film for thought, right? Film for thought. Film for thought. Film for thought. Just just a thought. Just in case you want to add something else to your uh to your repertoire, self. You're not busy enough. You're not busy enough. I'm not busy enough. That's right. No, thanks, guys. It was fun tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, good chat. Lots of people I recognize in there. So great to see everybody. Thanks so much for being part of it, Sal. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Thanks. All right, so Capacho there on our Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. What a great guest uh, I, I've known. I've had the pleasure, by the way, of knowing Sale for almost a decade. I've been I've been at GR since 2013. Wow. Yeah. So my first. I'm not that old, though. No, you're not. You're not old enough to make me feel like I'm really old, like Ryan Tannehill being 33 is. Holy Bro, mother of oh Troy. My God. I, I, I'm literally, I literally felt myself age like five years when Sal said that. But my first experience with Buffalo Bills content was Joe Buscalia and Matthew Fairburn doing, at the time, the Bills Beat podcast mm -hmm. and Sal Capaccio on WGR and Jeremy White and Howard Simon. That was my first experience with Buffalo Bills content. And so for me, I, I've been doing this for, it'll be, I'll be, this'll be my fourth year now mm -hmm. doing this. And it, I, I feel really old to say I've been doing it for four years, but I have never once done a show with Sal until tonight. Really? Yes. I sent him a message and said, this is our first time ever doing a show together. Right. And I am That's a, awesome. I am an unabashed and just, just like I said this, my first, my first show for Foo for Thought had Joe Buscalli on it. And that was my first time ever doing a show with Joe Buscalli. And then we had Sal Capaccio. And I thought to myself, I'm just, I'm literally like just checking legends off my list. Joe B was our first show, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first, it was, it was Josh Allen's contract extension was our first show. Oh my gosh, show. of course, of course, of course. And I thought, well, this is, I mean, it's, 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 it's the blessing from the football gods is what yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, being able to cross Sal Capaccio, like, Hey, I did a show with Sal Capaccio. Like that's all my list. Cause I am an unabashed Sal Capaccio fan. Sure. I just like, I make no apologies for this. No, so, should you. There's that. All right. Mark came in with the super chat and said, Doug Peterson in regards to offensive coordinator. I want to hey, share something. Peter, man. Hey, right. Peter, man. Hey, Check Peter out man. channel nine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if any of you, Another I don't good know. Movie if, reference. If, uh, movie reference, right? Uh, does anyone ever tell you you have a case of the Mondays, Nate? Anyway, but 
so I've funny story Mondays all week just so you know there is a strange overlap between doug peterson and sean mcdermott i don't know if you know this or not I sean don't. mcdermott was hired by andy reed in 1999 in a weird position called a scouting administrative coordinator that was his job no one has any idea really what he did at that time but guess who signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in February of 1999 as a quarterback, Doug Peterson. Wow, that is a weird crossover. They both showed up to Andy Reid's Philadelphia Eagles in 1999. Just different ways. Just different ways. Just a very strange – I'm not yeah. saying it means anything, okay? Please, please don't put out there, hey, you know, Bruce Nolan said there was a connection. First off, I have no sources. This is really important. I have no sources. I know lots of people who have sources, you know, but well, I don't ever say anything about any of that stuff. So Doug I don't Peter's have sources. an interesting name. Doug Peter's an interesting name because I'm not sure he's in a position right now uh, to get the head coaching job. I think he probably held out last season thinking he would be in line for mm. this year. Yeah. Um Here's an interesting one, though, because if Bill O'Brien leaves, which there's a lot of chatter that if McDaniels leaves, goes to Vegas, which I think is happening, mm -hmm. that Bill O'Brien could leave Bama and go back to New England and be their offensive coordinator. And if that's the case, I wonder if Peterson slots back in um, and takes over in Alabama. But Doug Marone's there, too. You could see Marone maybe step into that offensive coordinator role in Alabama, too. So they've got some options. But that's sort of been recently – the Alabama offensive coordinator job has been a springboard for coaches to rehab their, you know, play calling abilities, their coaching abilities, and then get back either into the NFL or as a head coach in college football, like Steve Sarkeesian has, like Brian Dable got back into the NFL as, a, as an offensive coordinator being there. Um, Lane Kiffin got his earnings back there and then ended up at, um, you know, FIU before going obviously to Ole Miss. So listen, like uh, Peters, that could be a, a logical move for Peterson. I think in the same way Alabama makes sense, the Bills could make sense for Peterson if he ends up sort of looking out uh, or on the outside looking in, essentially. Because I think if you look right now at the landscape with Vegas going McDaniels, I think that that Jacksonville is going Leftwich. Um, obviously, we have Eberflus already into the Bears. And, you know, is Harbaugh going to leave? We don't know what the, what the Dolphins might do. But, like, you start to the, – the, the head coaching search is starting to come into focus a little bit here. And I think Peterson could end up left out. And I wonder if their, you know, history, their crossover in Philadelphia, if that means anything. Or I wonder to Sean McDermott if, you know, Peterson's history as a Super Bowl winning head coach makes sense to bring into this locker room. And and I, listen, I, I won't tell you that I love Peterson um, as a head coach, maybe, but I think I might really like him in a coordinator role. It's where he sort of got his rocks off and got himself uh, propelled in the NFL too. And, you know, I, I sort of like what, you know, Peterson might be able to do if given the opportunity to, um, you know, to do it and, and, and be, and do it with an offense and, and with a quarterback like Josh Allen. I, I just, I think about what he was able to get out of Carson Wentz, um, you know, in 2015 and obviously what he got out of Nick Foles. That that's not, that's not something I'm willing to just, you know, glaze over. I, 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 I would tell you that because of his credentials, he might really be a great fit for Sean McDermott, how he fits the bills. I'm not sure, but for McDermott, the DNA, the type of guy he might be looking for, where if I'm being honest and I, you know, I, I didn't ask sell this. I've gotten the sense, Bruce, you could tell me if you think I'm way off on this, that Dable and McDermott did not get along a ton. 
that there was definitely an, a, a, a foundation of some frustration there about wanting to do more the McDermott way and be a little bit more conventional. And luckily, Dable, although they may have butted heads, here's what you got to say about McDermott. I don't believe he ever tried to pose his influence on the offense. That he may have said he didn't like what Dable was doing, but he never told Dable, change this or you're out. Do you know what I mean? And I think that you can have a coach like Sean McDermott and butt heads with him, but as long as you're successful, Sean's going to give you that benefit of the doubt, that slack. And I wonder if he would automatically come in with some extra slack being a Super Bowl winning head coach. And I wonder if Sean would like that. Well, one of the things that I would like to point out is if you are someone who would like to run the ball less, Doug Peterson should be up your alley. Yes, Doug Peterson right. historically is a um, a 66-34 kind of guy when it comes to pass run Hell ratio. Hell yeah, brother. So let's, you know, if you want to grip it and rip it from 2018 to 2020, it was like 66-34 for him. Anthony Cole says Dan Orlovsky. Now, I, I want to talk about this a little bit because Orlovsky and Jordan Palmer are names that pop up for quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators, all this stuff. I, I need you to kind of wrap your head around real fast the fact that there's a reason why this very, 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 very rarely ever happens, and it's because it's probably not in their best interest to do so. So I want to give you an example. So some people have asked me in the past, well, you know, Bruce, you love football. You clearly, you know, love doing it. You know, how come you don't work in football, okay? All right, well, first off, the check you'd have to write me be very large, and there's people mm -hmm. way more talented than me who are willing to do it for way smaller amounts of money than I'm willing to do it for. So I have no interest in being a, a you know a scout and being on the road 500 nights every week. You know, I, I have no interest in doing any of those things. But when you take that and you extrapolate it out, Dan Orlovsky and Jordan Palmer have better gigs right now than the coaching oh, yeah. jobs you would want to assign to them. They work less hours. They have less stress. They see their families more. And they probably make as much, if not more money. So... Dan Orlovsky is probably not going to leave ESPN to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Uh, Jordan Palmer is not going to leave what he's doing to be a quarterback's coach in the NFL. So for him, think about it. So Jordan Palmer gets to hang out with quarterbacks all summer long, and then he gets to go chill on a beach, and he probably makes more money than quarterbacks coaches do anyway. Because you're hard-pressed to convince him to do anything. So as talented as they may be, and I agree that both are talented people, we knew that Jordan Palmer was going to be a talented guy. Back when he was a backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, people don't remember, he was a backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills for a bit because they ran out of quarterbacks at the end of a preseason and were like, we need a body. Let's bring Jordan Palmer in. And we knew he was really, really, really smart. Everyone knew that. But it's not just about smarts and talent. You have to love the game so much that you don't want to get away from it. Or you have to have ambitions of being a head coach to the point where you're willing to climb the ladder to get there. And I don't think either one of those th things is true for either Palmer or Orlovsky. Moving forward, we have mailbag stuff to talk about. Nate? Yes, we do. Good. I have an, I have a, I have an email from Carmen. Good who says, Bruce, the best food comparison I can give for the divisional game is my wedding cake. It tasted great, and 10 minutes later, I threw it up from all the nerves of the day. <laughs> Every time I think about it now, I smile. On a somewhat different note, what term do we use to describe Josh Allen's last two games in the playoff? Mega Josh seems dated, and I'm running out of adjectives. Nate, I'll let you take it. 
What do we use to describe Josh Allen? I, I went with Warpath. I don't know if you saw me on Twitter. Yeah, no. I decided I, I wanted, to go with Transformers. I wanted to bring, and uh, just as you were saying it, I'm trying to find Mo. It's not Mofongo. Let, 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 let me just quickly, I have to find the name of the dish because I don't want to butcher it. You go while I get the name of the dish because I'm actually going to put, uh, make it into a food. Uh, and I had it last night. Uh, at, okay, so there's this Italian restaurant in Buffalo, Bruce. It's called Lombardo. Um, Lombardo Ristorante. It's, a, it's an Italian restaurant. It's one of the finest restaurants in Buffalo. And for dessert, they have this banana pie. But it's not a banana cream pie. It is more like... Hmm. How do I want to put it? It's like, it's almost like a bananas foster situation. It's not hot though. Okay. Um, dinner it. menu, dessert menu. Okay. Hold on. I got to find it. Okay. It is Bonafe, Bonafe, B-A-N-O-F-F-E-E. And it's pie. So let me, it's banana cream pie. But again, it's, there is a layer of cream on top, but in the middle, it's basically caramel and uh, banana. And then you have this, I don't know, inch and a half thick graham cracker crust all the way through it and then it's torched at the top buddy it is the single finest dessert i have ever ever had and so is what i watched josh allen do on sunday i i'm not sure that i've watched a quarterback have a greater performance in in that sort of moment um it's the first quarterback in nfl history to have two essentially game-winning drives in the final two minutes uh of a game and and listen as good as josh allen was as eye-opening as Josh Allen's performance was, was maybe equally as eye-opening was for Gabriel Davis, who I, I'm not sure I, I thought had that in him. Um, and and I think kind of shut me up on some of the things I was saying about it, which was I didn't think he was a number two wide receiver. I think he certainly is. But uh, yeah, uh, the the banana bona fide, bono fay, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and Google search it and try to send you a picture. Please do. We're going to wrap it up with winners and losers from this week in the NFL. And given the fact that it's coaching searches, this becomes way more fun. Are you ready, Nate? I'm going to go with start off and I'm going to start off with winners. Yes, please. The New York Giants, ladies and gentlemen, again, the New York Giants. I think that having that lockstep to borrow a term from Russ Brandon between Joe Shane and Brian Dable is exactly the reason why people thought Brandon Bean was the favorite to be the GM after Sean McDermott was hired. It was this natural extension of when Sean McDermott got hired and then Doug Whaley got fired and we go, okay, who's going to be the head? Who's going to be the new GM of the Buffalo Bills? The name on the first part of everyone's lips was, oh, it'll be Brandon Bean. It's going to be Brandon Bean. And then it ended up happening and it ended up working. After Joe Shane got hired, the first name on people's lips was, well, it's going to be Brian Dable. It's going to be Brian Dable. And then for a minute there, we're like, well, maybe it's going to be Leslie Frazier. Is it? Is he going to go the opposite direction? And then it, eventually, no, it, it, it ended up being it ended up being Brian Dable. It's a little bit like the draft when you think someone's going to be the number one overall pick. And then like two weeks before, there's all these reports and rumors that come out that, hey, it might actually not be him. It might not be him at all. It might be somebody else. And you're like, no, it's not. And then it comes around and no, it's still Joe Burrow. He's, it's, he's still the number one pick. That's uh. Really not much mystery there. And that's exactly what it was. But just because something's mystery doesn't mean it's good. And being able to start from that foundation with a, a coach who is sat underneath Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, and Nick Saban. Yeah, it's a decent And has seen all there is to see. He will completely not be 
messed up at all by the New York media market. Brian Dable's give a care meter about the New York media market is a zero. Completely impenetrable to that kind of stuff. I think it's great. I think it's an absolute slam dunk for them. Uh, Bruce, uh, this week for my winners, I need to take the spotlight here for a second if I can. Uh, how, how do I switch it to me, though? Uh, now I've, I've gotten you. I've given you the spotlight. How do I give me the spotlight? Do I, do, I, do we know how? I need to get I, – I just need the spotlight. And if it's not going to give it to me, then I guess I don't deserve it. All right, Bruce. Well, I guess I'm not getting the spotlight for this, even though I requested – yes, yes, we've got the spotlight. Thank God. So for this week, the winner – the biggest winner of the NFL week. It happened just recently, mere hours ago. The biggest winner, Bruce, is me. Do you want to know why the biggest winner is me? Because Brian Dable didn't go to the Dolphins. And now I'll get to sit on Twitter, make fun of Dolphins fans, do what I do best. Just making fun, making their lives horrible. They they thought they were going to get the guy that built Josh Allen, and he was going to turn to a tongue of Iola into the next Josh Allen. Look at him in his 40-yard throw. Oh, my God. I'm the biggest winner. The Dolphins and their fans are still the biggest losers, and that, my friend, is why you just have to feel great even though the Bills lost. All I know is even when the Bills lose, the Dolphins lose worse. So... Okay, that's 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 I'm take, strong. I'm taking, I'm taking the positive out of this, bud. You are okay. Biggest loser for me this week: the Jacksonville Jaguars. What Boys. in the ever living heck are the Jaguars doing right now? the 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 leverage play on Byron Leftwich is absolutely riotous to me. One of the yes. things that's hilarious is when you start to recognize that everything that is given to an NFL insider is given by either a team or an agent for a specific purpose, then you start to end up seeing things unfold in real time. For example, Ian Rappaport tweeted, and just like that with Matt Eberflus being hired by the Chicago Bears, the Jacksonville Jaguars are down to one candidate who they've interviewed twice, and it's Byron Leftwich. 20 minutes later, Adam Schefter reports that the Jaguars actually interviewed Vic Fangio for their head coaching job. It's as if the Jaguars were literally screaming into the void, you're not our only option. We've got tons of options. It's like at the very end of the night. There are dozens of us. There are dozens, dozens of us. Dozens! It's like at the very end of the night when you're sitting there and you're looking at her and she's looking at you and the sure. bar's getting ready to close and you're like, no, I've got other options. She's looking around going, who are your other options? Who exactly are your other options right now? Not that I've ever done that. Ever. I've never done that. Funny story. I've never closed down a bar before and I've never picked up a girl at a bar before. So none of the things I'm talking about have any relevant <laughs> to actual Bruce history. I'm just saying that I've heard of people doing these things because I'm really, really old and we don't do things like that. When I like we, we, we went up to someone and we talked to them. That was our thing. I was talking to my wife the other day and I said, please, please, for the love of all this holy and sacred, don't let anything ever happen to you because I would not do well in the dating pool right now because I don't even understand how this works. I have acquaintances who are far more younger than me and they're telling me like how this works. Mm. What's the difference between talking and like dating and then like, like exclusively dating? I was like, do people still go steady? Is that a thing? <laughs> do we people still go steady? steady? Is that a thing that happens? But that's what's happening right now between the Jags and Byron Leftwich is this weird dance where it, it, there's some rumors that maybe they're trying to cheap out on him or things like that. I'm just like, okay, hey, whatever. 
the Texans are off there chasing Josh McCown and desperately want to hire Josh McCown and the Jaguars, whatever's going on with them, dude, lock it up. Trevor Lawrence is awesome and you need to make sure that you don't ruin him. So, yeah. So, uh, like Kellen says, uh, petty dates taken back over. So I said, I was the biggest winner because I get to lord over Dolphins fans about how they really wanted Brian Dable and now they're not going to get him. And guess who my biggest loser is? The Dolphins for not getting Brian Dable because he was their number one target. You thought he was going to fix Tua. He was going to turn him in to this. The, uh, the, what, what the Tua non folks say is, you know, Tua Nation and he's going to be a franchise quarterback and he can throw those wicked pisses and those piss missiles into those tight windows. Well, guess what, losers? Now you're going to get your third option. What are you going to go? You're going to go with Kellen Moore who can't even make Dak Prescott into a, into a serviceable quarterback when it matters most. Give me a break. The Dolphins are going to end up with a coach they fire in two years just like they always do in this perpetual cycle of terrible unwatchable football but just good enough to get you to week 17 or week 18 this year right Dolphins fans at least you got one more week of you having your heart stomped on because your quarterback's not good enough and your franchise can't figure out how to get a halfway decent coach so good luck Dolphins guys what have you done you have now shown Nate how to take over the solo layout of the show <laughs> and now you're never you cannot put the genie back in the bottle guys you just can't. He's going to be taking it over every time. He's going, no, 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 no. Show me my face. You know no, what, I'm this. My face now. Right now. We're showing face. my face. My gigantic round face. You know what? I was very nice of Sal to point out how nice my Your face features? Was. Yeah. Sal's Sal like that. Well, Sal is also, as you can tell, very round. Uh, very rounded around the head and the face. So he's... Uh, yes, but he's so dashingly handsome, though. He is very handsome. Yeah. It just works, you know? I'm not as dashingly handsome as Sal, so it doesn't work for me. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. Thank you so much for spending the evening with Nate and I. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you're full. And I hope mm, I know I you am. didn't leave hungry.